Hi, this is Arazu and Megan, and you're listening to the Dio Diaries. What's up, y'all? We're back with another episode and um, continuing on our talk with before uh, medical school starts and you know the pre-med years. In this episode, we're going to focus on the um, MCAT prep and also kind of talk a bit about the application process. So um, we're kind of kind of going to get started by talking about our experiences with MCAT and. Um, what are some good ways that you can, you know, start studying or study for it, how we can prep, um, and also kind of how to perform really well. Yeah, so we all know the MCAT is a huge component of your application. Um, you know, some would say it's probably one of the first or second things that they look at on your application, mm-hmm. I would say. Like, yeah. they look at your GPA and your MCAT, and then everything else is kind of comes after that. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say it's like the end-all be-all, like you obviously have people with uh, lower MCAT scores that you can still get into medical school, but nonetheless, it is still like a vital component of your application. So yeah. um, to kind of talk about my experience, um, I think I dedicated like four or five months of studying for to the MCAT. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did this while doing, I was working, I was uh, taking some post-bac classes, but I did, like, a lot of my time was spent studying for the MCAT um, those four to five months. Mm-hmm. And um, I spent a good, like, three months of that doing just, like, intense content review. Um, and I used Kaplan resources. So that's, like, the content books, the question bank online, and the practice questions or the practice exams that they have available. Mm-hmm. And then I think the last month or two of my review, I was doing more hitting the uh, practice exams a lot harder and Mm -hmm. doing less content review and Mm -hmm. more just practice questions and practice exams. And that was my strategy. And it ended up working for me. I took the exam twice, about a month apart. Uh But my score, um, my first score was not bad. I think it was a 505. I honestly can't remember the score, but I think it was a 505, which isn't amazing, but it was not a bad place to start. And then I ended up taking it the second time and got a 513, and I didn't really change much from the first exam to the second exam. I kind mm-hmm. of just, I actually, like, spent a lot, I traveled, I took a trip out to Seattle to see my sister. While you were studying for MCAT? I, I basically stopped studying, because I, I took it, the, I studied super hard the first time, got yeah. a 505, and then set it, I scheduled my next exam. I was like, this is, I'm not happy with this score. Yeah. But I already had a trip to Seattle planned. I was like, this is my celebratory oh. trip to Seattle to see my sister. And I'm done with MCAT. But I didn't cancel the trip just because I didn't do well. Yeah. I was like, I'm still going to go. I still need some time off to like recuperate. Yeah. And it ended up like being a good thing for me because I had time to kind of um, absorb the information and not be overwhelmed by like studying every day. Mm-hmm. I got to like, you know, just hit that refresh button, like spend a week with my sister mm-hmm. and it allowed me to just like, I was doing light review during okay. that month. So I wasn't just completely, you know, put everything, p- put aside. everything aside and not do anything. Yeah. I did light review. I took some time for myself and it ended up paying off because it jumped up to a 513. So mm. it's kind of interesting how that worked, but having that time and space to like just kind of absorb the information helped so that might be something to keep in mind like give yourself some time at the end to just like breathe and like let it all in and not Mm -hmm. don't review up until the last day yeah that's not going to really help you and that's my experience but 
that's kind of what happened for, in what mm-hmm. happened for me. No, that's a really good point. And I think with that, like, I feel like I, I personally, like, I'm not going to get into, like, the nitty-gritty of how to study for cars, mm-hmm. how to study for uh, biochem, bio and biochem, because I honestly think a light Google search will get you all that information, and um, more so than not, like, you know, if you're doing either Princeton Review, Kaplan, like, they have, like, blogs with, like, all this information, like, literally a book with all the information, but just to kind of share my two cent on MCAT, I would say one of the most important thing you can do is to, you know, use your diagnostic exams, especially like just take one right off the bat to see where you are. And beyond that, it's also a great way for you to understand how MCAT is structured um, because both in terms of like the passage and question structure and like how the reasoning is, because it definitely, at least for me, really, you know, felt a very different type of exam than any other undergrad exam that I had taken. Um, and also, you know, the diagnostic exam can help you get to know yourself better as a MCAT test taker. So you might, that was again, me, I thought like, you know, I remembered everything from my OCHEM definitely didn't and that was like why I needed I so I also did Kaplan and I think for me it did help and it didn't help it helped in a sense that because I uh f- like physically went to the classes and for that oh it yeah helped. I didn't do that yeah but it helps some people like stay on top of their review exactly and keep them accountable and yes. then there's also instructors that like actually help you uh work through the material yeah. that you're struggling with but yeah mine was all self-study just to clarify yeah um, and I think for me, you know, doing the classes was good because I, to be honest, like I didn't have the best foundation for something like organic chemistry. <laughs> so I think that helped to review and like really understand what I need um, to work on. Uh, but also, uh, you know, kind of going back to the diagnostic exams, um, it allows you to kind of see how comfortable you are with the science that you'll see over and over, especially like at the official MCAT. Um, and yeah, definitely I would say using those diag, not to kind of like just go through all diagnostic exam just to f- for the sake of like just going through questions, but how you use that diagnostic exam is I think another very, very important, um, aspect of your MCAT study. And if anything, I would say probably the most important piece of your, the most important piece of MCAT advice would be how you utilize your diagnostic test, how you utilize the questions that you do, because um, kind of going through it very carefully and seeing like, okay, do I understand all the concepts? Um, And if not, like kind of referring back to your notes, I think that's a much more efficient way of you studying for MCAT than just like, and for some people, like if you know that it's been like five years since you've taken since you've like looked at biochem, then definitely doing a content review would be helpful before you even do that. But for me, cause I took it like one, during my masters and also like the last year of my um, undergrad, for me, I think doing that was super helpful because I was like, okay, I kind of know stuff at a general level, but then kind of referring from the questions back to the material, I found it to be helpful cause that was way more efficient. And that way I could see that, okay, I definitely need to work on cars. I'm good at bio biochem a little bit chem I'm pretty good physics I need some brushing up so that's how I did it and I think for me um that was super helpful now like going back to Kaplan I I think like a lot of people like I remember when I was trying to decide between Kaplan and Princeton Review I was like okay which one has the 
you people do the best honestly it all comes down to you and how you study like you just have to put in the work no matter what company you decide to go with kaplan like i remember i heard like princeton review um diagnostic or practice exams are a little harder than kaplan some other people would say like kaplan scores are more realistic of your actual mcat yeah. and stuff and i remember like when i took kaplan diagnostic exams i like my score would be way way lower than what i would do on like a double amc practice i think that's true and i saw similar things on reddit threads about like how representative are their practice exams of the actual mcat yeah i don't know that's like you're not gonna get the perfect representation of what's on the mcat i mean there are uh full-length exams available on aamc for uh, i think they're 35 dollars each exam but those are going to be the more like more representative and i would do those um probably in your last leg of your study yeah just so you have a more accurate representation of what your score might be uh-huh. but it doesn't hurt to do practice exams regardless yeah no, to no, do no. them even if they're not like a hundred percent representative of the amc test yeah. because they're still going to test your uh knowledge they're still going to test your stamina sitting for a seven and a half hour yes, exam 100%. and i think that's just as important in your review is like making sure you're mentally prepared to take the exam because it is mentally grueling to sit there for seven and a half hours and yeah um, all that stuff so I think that there is a benefit to still taking those practice exams and like Megan said re- regardless of which company you go with you're still gonna look at the same content you're still gonna like you know just continue doing practice questions and yeah. you know and more of what you said about focusing your review on the stuff that you struggled with on the diagnostic. So that's like also the first thing I did was take a diagnostic exam, which there's a free sample test on the mm-hmm. AMC website website that you can use it as a diagnostic. Yeah. But really use that tool to kind of look at, dissect what parts of the exam you need to focus on. Yeah. And, you know, for me, cars was solid. So I would, I would do <laughs> Not me. I hated cars. I literally got a 122. <laughs> dead I'm like what? trying to do the maths it's, it's from 132 which I know is like I know sad. no yeah. I I was solid I think I'm like 99 percentile for cars so I'm like got this shit in the bag but regardless I still like would do like a passage a week during yeah. review because I was like I can't That's completely fine. neglect it because yeah. you still have to put yourself in the mindset of like how do they write these questions exactly what are the passages like and exposing myself to all those different variables yeah. is still important but I was like okay let me focus on chemistry and biochemistry yeah. because that's where I struggled the most and I yeah. had my lowest scores so I mean really you just have to there's no one formula for studying for the MCAT yeah but there's do a quick Google search, see what the resources are, and then kind of, like, give yourself enough time to actually, like, see what works for you. Because you might try Kaplan and not like it and switch to Princeton Review and be like, okay, this is better. Or you might like UWorld questions better. Mm -hmm. Or, like, whatever the case is, give yourself enough time to, like, so you're not panicking at the end, like, oh, shit, I'm not prepared. Yeah. Um, Because oftentimes, like, you will take it and then, like, to do your application right after yeah and you know you need enough time to like do everything do everything together step no. by step 100 percent. and i think like so i took mcat when like literally the the peak of covid so for me my mcat got pushed like twice and that was like stressful a lot because i was also applying that cycle and everything um so yeah definitely kind of give yourself enough time and make sure that your timeline is um how you want it to be and is realistic as well and also i want to kind of go back on something you we both mentioned on practice questions 
I would even go to the length of saying that doing practice questions can serve you better than doing content review. I agree. And not just to, you know, passively go through questions, but genuinely utilizing um, those questions and even like start keeping a record of the questions that you missed. That's what I did. (laughs) Yeah. And why you missed them and build that into that record with every new exam you take so for instance I had a notebook and you know it was actually a binder of like all sections and every time I would miss something I would just like write it down but also like write down the concept and I would review it um you know at least once a week and with just any other type of learning space repetition Mm -hmm. is the key to success so you want to make sure that you are kind of revisiting these content or the the concepts that you're missing or um, just things that you're struggling with so that you genuinely know it. And I also did use UWorld and I loved it. And it is actually a um, another very beneficial um, resource that you most mostly, yeah, you will mostly use it in med school because I feel like a lot of, I mean, we're not there yet, but a lot of people, a lot of med students that I know use it for board prep. So it's also good to kind of get used to the platform and everything. But I love the visuals at UWorld. Like the explanations was super detailed. Like I didn't need to refer to, to different um, resources to understand what was going on. Um, so yeah, definitely um, loved UWorld. And uh, I would say to kind of write down any content topics that you're unfamiliar with and spend extra time to get yourself familiar with it and um yeah just uh, make sure to do that space repetition so uh, we also wanted to talk about application and everything we figured like that'd be good to kind of put MCAT and applications together yeah. cycles um, coming up too yeah. so we want our listeners to be prepared yes and have some of our insights um yeah so I actually would like to start by talking about like I'm a big auditory person so hence we have a podcast and I think for me one of the things that was helpful uh, was listening to podcasts as well and um, one of the very good ones is like the pre-med years with Dr. Ryan Gray he has like very great advice that he shares another one it's the um, health um the health and education by TMDSAS so that's like the Texas applications and um the uh, people who um kind of run that podcast have like deans of different medical schools who come in on the podcast and talk about what they like to see in their applicants um so i remember one of the episodes that i listened to was uh dr kellaway who's the uh dean of uh, university of texas in san antonio that, that medical school and like I think for me after listening to that podcast I was like wait I need to kind of readjust readjust how I'm describing and like every application so depending if you're like if you're a Texas resident I was a Texas resident and I used I literally applied to TMDSAS, ACOMAS, and AMCAS um and all of these different applications are different so with TMDSAS you literally have one line like 20 words to describe your activity versus like Um, yeah versus like AMCAS it's like you can write a little mini paragraph yeah so, um, you know, make sure you're doing your research, but, um, to get that message across. So like, actually, Arzu, how do you think, um, applicants or people who are applying to med school should use that space? What should they say? The activities? Yeah. I heard something very interesting on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> Love it. TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I forgot who the, uh, content creator was, but they were saying that on the AMCAS application, there's 15 sections for your activities, yeah. 15 entries. And if you go to the website, 
yeah. uh, the AMC website, there's 15 core competencies. Mm-hmm. That, oh, And wow. they were saying that it's kind of an opportunity to, like, address each one of these core competencies, yeah. or at least as many as you can. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really think about it that way, but in a way, I was approaching it that way. I was trying to demonstrate, okay, this activity shows I have cultural competency. Yeah. And if you look at those core competencies, try to mirror your activities yeah. to demonstrate that you have you're you're competent at these things yeah yeah i thought that was key when i saw that yeah and another thing is just have as many eyes look at your application as possible sometimes like things might come across a certain way or you're not really wording it the best way and i just find that like having as many people look at it is going to just have your statement come across as good as possible because you don't know who's going to look at your application and what their perspective is and so if you have as uh, have those eyes look at it you're going to be able to catch those things that might come across a certain way or oh this could be said better and with that i would just say that the two of the most important things on your application aside from like the things you can't change like your mcas score and your gpa the things you can really focus on are your personal statement your activities and also your letters of recommendation and i feel Mm -hmm. like people tend to forget about the letters Mm -hmm. but those are super important because an average or mediocre letter can really take down your application and people don't really think that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I think an average letter can hurt you more than mm-hmm. a really excellent letter can help your application. Yeah. That's what I've heard from people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that taking the time to ask for those letters in advance because yeah. people can forget when yeah. you ask them for a letter. Like, you know, people can forget. People are busy. So mm-hmm. following up with them, giving them enough time, you know, mm-hmm. Um, asking them to write you a strong letter. But also asking people that know you enough. Because I think that was a mistake that, like, some people are like, oh, I've had this professor, I like him, I'm just going to ask him. Yeah. But, like, you want to make sure that you're asking a professor that actually knows you so they can talk on behalf of your personality. Yeah. I, I... I would definitely ask a professor that you did well in their class, but Mm. also someone you might have left an impression on. So someone you spent time with them one-on-one after class at office hours, Mm. discussing things outside of class even, like showing someone you like showed yourself to and they can attest not only to just, okay, they were like in the top 10% of my class. Mm -hmm. Well, that's obvious based on your grades, right? Like what else can they say about you? Can they vouch for your character and your... Uh, motivation for pursuing medicine yeah. those things are very very important so asking uh, with enough time yeah uh for them to write it and asking the right people is, yeah. is is super super important and same with the personal statement like you need to get eyes on that you need to get like as many edits as yeah. you can on but that but also on that like you don't want to have like take everything that anyone says right like, your own words get lost in that mm-hmm. same with like the activity section so Make sure that what you're the core message that you're trying to get across is staying there. Yeah. But then do um you know take those edits in um because I think that was one of the things my mentor said he was like you know you are giving getting all these different eyes looking at your application but make sure your message is still like it's still you yeah it's still you yeah Um, I think I think there's a way to do it like I I'm not saying go out and ask like fifty people to look at your application because. There's no way you're going to have, like, one cohesive application. You're just going to, you know, by doing that. But, I mean, like, having a good, like, having your mentors look at it. Like, your, your, the people you're, like, your colleagues, your your peers, even your family. Yeah, yeah. who know you well. And they're like, you know, this is you. Yeah. And, um, you know, kind of going back to the activity section, like, I think uh, one of the biggest things that I learned um, was that 
you should try to use it as like a storytelling. Yes. And I think again, kind of this goes back to Dr. Ryan Gray, who like God bless his soul. He, I used to like tune in to his Instagram lives, and he has a really really amazing book. And actually, he also does great YouTube videos where he reviews applications. For instance, like let's say if I applied to med school, oh that's nice. I didn't get in. And then I'm like, Dr. Gray, help me. So he has like literally YouTube videos of students and their whole AMCAS application. And he goes I've through seen it. those. Yeah. And yeah. he goes through it with them and kind of like underlines why and like. Why, what are the weak points? Exactly. Yeah. So like. I, I think that's that, so invaluable to yeah. like learn from other people's exactly. applications. Because yeah. nobody really knows what the perfect application looks like. Yeah. But you know what's not going to work. Yeah, exactly. And so looking at those examples is super important. So helpful. And I think for me, when he did that, I realized the biggest, the, like the most important thing was to share the story. So for instance, just to give an example, like if you waitress, like that's that's an activity that I did. I wasn't just like, oh, I waitress from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. And I did this and like I serve food. No, but I like literally shared a story mm. when one of the customers totally went off on me. And like I just had to like maintain composure, maintain composure and see how I can like respond in like in a calm voice and try to de-escalate the situation and try to help the customer to calm down because like they got a wrong order of like regular Coke instead of a Diet Coke type mm-hmm. of a thing. And, like, you know, in me sharing that story, that just, like, kind of sh- shows that I know how to deal with conflict. Yeah. Or that just, like, shares an experience or something that I gained from that job. So kind of, like, really think about it. If you did tutoring, what did you learn from, like, share a story of a student that you worked with. Like, oh, like, this is where they're at. Like, with the help of, like, we together we we're at this level now and like you know this is what I learned from this so yeah I think when I um, thought of my application as just another story to tell like that really helped to um, kind of boost the the way that I was typing those activity descriptions yeah I kind of approached it in a similar way like just trying to like you want to describe what the activity is but you don't Mm -hmm. want that to be the bulk of your like the characters you have left, right? Yeah. You want to use that space to actually demonstrate what you learned yeah. and like how speak of your character, speak yeah. of your character, and how this makes you a like a potential candidate, a good exactly. potential candidate, because uh, you're trying to sell yourself, yeah, you know, literally. essentially. And so it's important to really just find those like mm-hmm. key things that you know you learned from it yeah and so i like that you actually included a story yeah that's um, like from waitressing yeah no every little thing that i like i did tutoring and i was like this is what i learned and um yeah like i made sure and i think it was like even better for me because like it just made me appreciate like my journey to med school yeah it was a nice reflect like a reflection moment to be like wow like, this wasn't just something I did just to check it off yeah. a box or to make money or to do this. Like, I actually exactly. gained something from this that's yeah. build it builds and adds to who I am today. Yeah. And it's amazing to actually, like, look back and reflect and be like, 100%. every every experience you have, every yeah. single day, like, has led you to no. where you are now. Exactly. And it's, it is an amazing moment to be like, wow, yeah. like, those things really did make a difference. Yeah. And you me. can even mention, mm-hmm. like, your hobbies, because I feel like a lot of people yeah. are like, oh, do I mention this ball? Yeah, I, inclu- like, I included I my hobby. I literally in- included meditation, cooking, 
and like weight training like I literally talked about those things and I was like because I think I personally like learned a lot of things at the gym about myself about like pushing through mental barriers all yeah. of that and I like made us what a better example I mean medicine yeah. to be to have a successful career in yeah. medicine you need resilience and exactly. what better way to demonstrate resilience than showing that you push yourself time and time again yeah. in the gym and yeah all of those things and so if if a hobby really matters to you like one of my best friends who's you know also a first year medical student yeah. her she's been doing puzzles her entire life oh, wow. it's her like passion it's her hobby That's and so she talked about how she approaches um patients how, how her philosophy of approaching patients is similar to how she would approach a puzzle wait right? pause that is like <laughs> very deep it's true though like it it enabled her it it allowed her to gain those skills to be able to look at during certain situations like yeah. from a different perspective and to yeah. be able to piece those different key information together. And that's what we do in medicine all day long is mm-hmm. like we have little tidbits of information and we need to put it together and come up with like differential diagnosis and like a treatment plan and all and whatnot. And those mm-hmm. things really do matter. If there's something that matters to you and you spent time doing, yeah. write it down. Otherwise, they're going to be left wondering, like, what does this person do? Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. But actually, that's another very good thing that I remember Dr. Kellaway, like, said in one of her... Also, the podcast, I forgot what it was called, but it's called Inside Health Education. Um, and, yeah. So, she was talking about how it's important to keep a journal of all the activities that you do. So, if you're, like, you know, a first year, second year, whatever, or if you're planning on applying down the, down the road, keeping a journal, because, like, you're going to forget. Like, yes. You're going to forget, like, what you did, the little... Mm-hmm. experience that stood out to yes you, so. that's why i told my sister because she's a, a freshman in college and she's yeah. also thinking about pre-med and i told yeah. her i said from day one actually i told her this back in high school i said yeah. this is like my one of my you know little pearls of wisdom is like keep a journal of the activities you do even if it's like oh i volunteered here for two hours like write down what you did where you did it who you worked with like how it made you feel what you learned any like unique thing that stands out to you because you're not going to remember these things sitting down four years later working on your application or it's just you're not gonna remember the feeling and then like you know with feelings like you need to describing it and all that like it's not verbalizing it yeah exactly it's not gonna be as like raw and um, real but with that i did want to quickly kind of mention some of the factors to include or uh some factors to consider when you're choosing your medical school to apply to because i know for me like again it was so overwhelming there's like so many med schools out there uh, but we've talked about MSR before, mm-hmm. so definitely, like, you know, utilize it and apply to schools that match your stats. And again, like, med schools do look at your applications holistically, but then if you have, like, a 2.5 GPA and you're applying to a school that has, like, a 3.6 median mm-hmm. and also MSR, which I thought highlighted the uh, mean of the, of, like, the GPA and the stats, it's actually median, so I don't know if that, like makes you makes it any difference but just remember that meaning that half of the students are above that line and then the other half are below so um kind of keep that in in mind but you don't want to apply to like overly competitive school that you know you're not gonna fit um another good thing would be to kind of like look at the curriculum some schools are adding more problem-based learning to their curriculum versus other schools or you know they directly start with organ system like our schools don't do that we have organ system like from second year, which I kind of like. Um, another thing would be class size. Um, our school is pretty small, and I think I like that one-on-one attention. So yeah, I'm really happy about that. 
Um, and then another one would be the culture of the school. So, like, Arzu, do you want to, like, just elaborate a bit, like, what the culture of the school and stuff would yeah, be? Yeah, so you can start with the mission statement, looking at the mission statement of the school and going from there. And just yeah. kind of the things they highlight on their website. The website can be a huge resource if you're yeah. really interested in a school or a particular location. Go to the website, look at their mission statement, look at their, uh, like, just their philosophy of how they teach students, the kind of physician they want to uh, you know, have at their school. And, um, it's not only just that, but like location plays a huge factor. Um, like opportunities for research, for volunteering, for mentorship, for Mm -hmm. community outreach, for, uh, like a social life outside of school. Like those things are often highlighted on the website and it's important to look at those things because some schools are more research focused. Some schools are, have an emphasis on um wellness like for instance our school was very much uh you know emphasizing their uh focus on maintaining student wellness Mm -hmm. and actually a huge emphasis on that and i think it's what attracted both of us to this school yeah and so be mindful of those things uh that you know might personally be of value to you and a good way to actually get to know that is like reaching out to student ambassadors of the school so i'm a student ambassador for my school and i know like um, just talking to accepted students or like students who are interested, like it, it's, it's a good way, you know, it, cause you like the students at that school know the school better than anyone else. They'll keep and, it real. Yeah, exactly. And like, I know for me, uh, with some of the, like the Texas schools that I was applying to, that's, that's one thing that I did. And like, I definitely kind of got a vibe <laughs> that I was like, okay, like I'm, you know, they're, they're super friendly or like, uh, like, I don't know if like I could see myself like fitting in this type of environment. Um, so definitely like you reaching out to like student ambassadors or even like going to like some live events if they have anything. Mm-hmm. Like I know during COVID, a lot of schools had like virtual uh, sessions. So that was a good way for me to learn what the school stands for and what they value. Um, and also like the last thing I would say, it's to consider like kind of what you mentioned with location in state versus out of state. I had some friends who like applied to out of state public schools. And to be honest, like, unless you have some sort of affiliation or association with that state, it's very low that you're going to get accepted. So, um, save your money and like, you know, watch out if it's like, if it's private, then it doesn't matter as much. But if it's public school, they usually like reserve a large amount of seats for their in-state um, residents. Yeah, and speaking of saving money, both AMCAS and ACOMAS have uh, like fee assistance programs. Yeah. Uh, if you apply and if you qualify for it, not only do you get discounts on your application fees, but mm-hmm. also MCAT fees uh, and MCAT study materials. And yeah. so I would definitely look at that and take advantage of that. Um, and there's, yeah, there's a lot of free resources out there mm-hmm. if you look for them. Uh, but I would start there for yeah. sure. Awesome. It adds up. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. So in this episode, we kind of talked about MCAT, our experiences, how you can prep for it, some of the resources out there, and also your application. Um, and, you know, making sure that you are utilizing those activity section description, your personal statement, and some factors to consider when you're looking at med schools. And with that, um, that is a wrap. Thanks for listening, y'all. Bye.